Well, good morning. Uh, for those of you in the Philadelphia metro area, uh, you all threatened to go to the shore and skip church. So we prayed rain into existence. And you are here. Let's thank the Lord for the rain. Yes. Yes. We want to welcome those of you who are watching us online. I want to start by sharing that for the absolute vast majority of Christians, there is something that is available to us that has the power to bring the power of Satan to its knees, that has the power to heal, that has the power to change hearts. But not only don't we know, do we not know about it, we rarely use it. Let me tell you how I discovered it. When I was in graduate school, or when I was in undergraduate school, a mentor of mine told me, whatever you do, don't go to Princeton Theological Seminary because it's going to erode your faith. And I was a cocky kid in undergraduate school, and I said, that's not going to happen to me. So I get to seminary, find out a lot of my professors that were teaching Bible classes were actually atheists. I just want you to think about that for a second, that a lot of professors that are preparing people to go out and be pastors in churches were atheists. I looked up to a lot of them because how brilliant they were. Eventually eroded my faith to the point where I didn't believe in anything. Believing in God is sort of like at the top of the job description for a pastor, right? So there was a problem. There was a problem also because I already put in, I had already put seven full-time years of study into this, and it was kind of late, too late to send out the law school applications. So I began to get depressed. I began for the very first time. I didn't know what it was. I was on a flight coming into Philadelphia. As we were landing, everybody was buckled in. I felt that I was having a heart attack. I unbuckled, stood up, and started walking around as the waitresses, not waitresses, the stewardesses are screaming at me to sit down. I didn't know what was wrong with me. I later learned it's called a panic attack. I began having panic attacks so much that I wanted to avoid any possible triggers. I began not sleeping. And when I say I began not sleeping, I'm saying that for a period of six months, the only reason I was able to sleep is because I began to abuse cold medicine. The taste of cherry medicine to this day makes me want to vomit. I couldn't sleep. I'd have 15 to 20, no exaggeration, panic attacks every day. It got to the point where I wasn't suicidal, but I felt that I, that I could go that way. So I had a, at the time I had some guns, and so I took shells down to the river, the Princeton Canal. And I remember standing at the side and throwing the shells one by one into the river. I was so absolutely, utterly desperate and alone. If you've never had your heart and your brain working against you, there's just simply no way to describe it. But I did the only thing I knew to do. I threw a half court shot thinking nothing was gonna happen, but I decided that I was going to fast. I ate nothing for two full days. 
And at the beginning of the third day, I woke up and I felt that this fog had lifted from my mind. I not only didn't wake up with a panic attack, but that night I slept like a 10 year old boy. I was out. That experience of fasting was so incredibly powerful to me that whenever there's been a juncture in my life where I felt out of control, I felt powerless, I didn't have the ability to change things, I always knew that there was this secret weapon in my arsenal that was available to me. We're finishing today this, this two-week series. We're calling it The Comeback. And we've been talking about how, so I'm an, uh, anybody a Neil Young fan? Am I the only Neil Young? There we go. Yes, you get... You get 50% off your tithes for the next month, okay? There we go. Neil Young has this song called The Bad Fog of Loneliness. And I feel that COVID over the last year just created this bad fog of loneliness, like this, this thing. Now, outside of obviously the sheer tragedy of the loss of life, there have been some positive things that came out of COVID, right? Uh, one is more time together. Right, but we have more time together. It also forced uh, innovation in the, on the part of businesses and churches that, that wouldn't have happened otherwise. Uh, and I would say the other positive thing is for those of you who are early angel investors in Zoom, you made out like a bandit, right? Outside of that, there wasn't much positive. There was a lot of negative. We were isolated for one another. Uh, it created all kinds of... Um, mental and emotional struggles for people. There were financial struggles. People lost jobs. People were displaced. I still haven't seen my parents since before COVID. And so our family's planning on getting together here soon. That's just terrible. It's absolutely terrible. So what we want to do is we want to talk about a comeback that we need to make. And there's possibility that you don't even recognize what you need to come back from that there is, there is something that you picked up on COVID that you need to eradicate, that you need to expunge, that you need to eviscerate from your life in order to move forward. And so today what I want to do is I want to talk about fasting. And fasting is going without something you like, which ends up forcing you to pay attention to your soul. Now, unfortunately, church tradition has basically thrown a bunch of mud on the idea of fasting. They think that it's Lent. So in the first century, when someone became a Christian, they were immersed in water. Second century came around, and they started pouring water on people because you can't oftentimes find a big body of water. The third century rolls around, and you would sprinkle kids. And by the fourth, time, fourth century came around, you would sprinkle children, and you would do it at Easter time. The problem was is that once the church became legal in the fourth century, people questioned the motives of people. And so what better way to make sure that someone that wants to become a Christian is legit than to make them fast and give up something for 40 days. Lent comes from the Latin word Lenten, spring. And so Lent was something that the church created 350 years after Jesus to ensure that anybody getting baptized on Easter was legit. 
Now, I applaud anybody that wants to grow in their spiritual life. But fasting is not something that you have to do. And because in our culture, when people talk about Lent, they're like, what are you going to give up this year? Lean to the person next to you, for those of you who have practiced Lent before, and share what is something that you have given up for Lent before. Go ahead and share it for those of you who are, or, uh, those of you who are watching online. I've had people share that they're giving up Netflix for Lent. Netflix? Okay. Uh, it's quite popular uh, today that people will fast from social media. Right? How many of you have seen friends and family members? Hey, I just want to let you know I'm going to be off social media for a while so that I can, you know, do something spiritual or something like that. And let's be honest, you know, the vast majority of social media is this slush fund of nastiness. Um, that the 10% that you actually want to see on social media is wonderful. Um, uh, pictures of families and friends, and also following some accounts that are going to help you in your life and give you ideas. But the vast majority of times, I think all of us want to fast from social media right before an election. It's absolutely the worst time to be a human being and to have a social media account. But in terms of social media, eh, that's not really what the Bible's talking about fasting from. A lot of people will fast from TV and entertainment. And, and if you're one of the people, the average Americans that will spend on average 5.4 hours a day in front of a screen, and I see parents elbowing students, I see wives elbowing husbands, boyfriends elbowing girlfriends, because we all are probably the 5.4 hours a day in front of a screen. Fasting from screens, probably a good thing. But when the Bible talks about fasting, there are only two kinds of fasts that the Bible shares. Not that you can't fast from the other things, but the Bible focuses on two of the most powerful. Number one is fasting from sex. Now, for those of you who are uh, husbands that were dragged here to church, you're not really interested in Christianity, at this, this is the point where you say, yeah, I'm out of here. Um, but the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7, do not deprive each other sexually, except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time, so that you may devote yourselves to prayer, then come back together again so Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. And so what Paul is saying is that a powerful weapon is for you to refrain from any physical contact with your spouse so that together both of you can pray together that you're going to join in prayer together to focus on the need. Now let me just pause here and say this actually can become a brick that, that someone can use to hurt someone. If you have undergone some form of trauma having your spouse tell you okay time's up let's go let's hit the sack let's do this that actually can be just incredibly painful for you. And so Paul's not talking about that. If you're both to the point where you're, the whole goal is to have enough intimacy so that both of your needs are met. Understanding, obviously, if there's some trauma that you need to, that factors into that. 
You can't manipulate one another. But there's something powerful about just for a season, a husband and wife saying, or for those of you who are dating, to say, for a season, we're not going to hold hands, we're not gonna kiss, we're not gonna do anything that's beyond that, because we're gonna devote ourselves to prayer. Is there an issue in your relationship? Is there a child that you would like to help? Is there a financial situation? Is there a job situation going on? Paul's saying this is something that you might want to do. A friend of mine, Dave Stone, was the senior pastor of Southeast Christian Church in Louisville, Kentucky. They were going into the largest building project in the history of Christianity in North America. Louisville, Kentucky, Southeast Christian Church. So they're doing this a number of years ago, and as they were going into the building, there was so much weight of what was going on that Dave talked to his wife and together they made the agreement that they would refrain from any form of intimacy, kissing, touching, relationship, until after the grand opening of the building. Well, this was such a massive event that when the grand opening came, there were dozens, literally, of national TV cameras at this event. They said one of the uh, news reporters came up to him after the service interviewing him and asked him the question, I bet you were excited to get the grand opening over with. To which David, Dave said, you have no idea. You have no idea. The other kind of fasting is fasting from food. And this is something that we're more aware of. Raise your hand if you've uh, uh, experimented with inter intermittent fasting. Sort of raise your hand. Also, raise your hand if you've experimented with intermittent fasting. And it gives you the ability, really, to look down on other people. Can we do that? Can we do that? Yeah, let's, let's acknowledge that. Uh, there's a lot of research out about the positive benefits of intermittent fasting. How many of you are 16, 8? Come on, how many of you are like one meal a day? There's a lot of different approaches to this and there are benefits to this. This is not what this is talking about. Fasting is when you stop eating and during the times when you would normally eat, you devote those times to prayer. And the Bible tells us that there are three different times where we ought to pray with fasting. And the first is this, Fast when you need to withstand a temptation. Every person in this room, the Bible tells us, if you're a disciple of Jesus, you are being hit with the fiery arrows of the evil one. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but how many of you know exactly what I'm talking about? You're hit with the fiery arrows of the evil one. There's not a person in the room who's not getting hit with the fiery arrows of the evil one. And what the Bible says is that temptation, that attack that will come in waves. When that attack is happening, if you pray and fast, you can break that temptation. Jesus himself, it says, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting for 40 days, I've seen this place. Hopefully I can take you there soon. It is a desert fasting for 40 days, it says, the devil left him. Can I just tell you, like, if there's a struggle that you're having in your emotional state or in your relationships, like if Jesus had to fast 40 days, 
Don't you think that maybe we ought to try it for one? I forget that. I often forget the power that fasting has had in my life. I remember the third year of our church. We were meeting in the movie theater and things were going terrible. Terrible in the sense that they were going so well that it was terrible for the rest of us. And here's what I mean by that is, I brought a church consultant in uh, who consults. I brought a church consultant in and we sat down at uh, Bob Evans. And I said, I think most pastors bring you in when things aren't going well. I need you to teach me how to be a pastor now because I'm ready to quit. Like I just, it's, it's like, it's so incredibly exhausting and we don't have the resources and we don't have the staff and, but people keep coming. And I was like, I just, I just, I don't know how I'm gonna make it. So during that season, whenever I would talk to another pastor and they would tell me how well their church is doing, I would get angry and jealous, which is just stupid. It's like being angry at your sister because she has a good marriage. The Bible tells us that we're, we, we ought to rejoice with those who rejoice and to mourn with those who mourn. But not me, when I was in my third year here, every time I talked to a pastor, I was like, bro, oh, congratulations, it's going so great. Hang up the phone, you suck so bad. I hate my life, right? And I was like, I need to deal with this. And so I went to Evansburg State Park. You ever hiked Evansburg State Park? You ought to go to Evansburg State Park. Um, we, I, I, we, we, we love this place. So I'm hiking Evansburg State Park. I'm going back where no one goes. And I felt that I needed to fast all day. And I needed to pray that God would break me of this anger towards other pastors. It was just so, it was just beyond me and, and it was just childish. So, so I go to Evansburg and in the Old Testament, whenever there was something that you wanted to mark in your life, you would build up this pile of rocks so that for the rest of your life, you could go back to that place. And so I built up this pile of rocks and I said, God, I need you to break me of the spirit of jealousy. And so um, when I went home the very next morning, I had fasted all day, I had prayed, I built up this pile of rocks. And the very next day, I was talking to a pastor and I was truly happy for him. Like I, like I legitimately am so happy for you. Yeah, it may suck for me right now, but man, I'm so happy for you. And fasting like broke it. It broke it. I'll go back at times and I'll see that pile of rocks. And there are other people that walk by and they're like, what idiot has made a pile of rocks here? But I see that and I'm like, it has been 18 years. And my heart has remained changed towards other churches. Other churches start in the area, we send them flowers. Other churches, it, 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 it changed. When the monk's body is dried up with fasting, Abba the Short said, it lifts his soul from the depths. Fasting dries up the channels down which worldly pleasures flow. Here's a, uh, Joel, for those of you who are struggling 
with a temptation. It says, even now declares the Lord, return to me with your whole heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Those of you who are struggling right now in your family, those of you who are struggling in your finances, looking for God, whatever it is. In the Old Testament, when you wanted God to move and you would fast, you would literally rip your clothes like Superman, like, and then you would throw ashes on top of your head. And God's like, don't do that. Don't do that. Rend your heart. Let your heart break, not your garment. Let your heart feel broken because of the situation. And then return to your Lord, your God. He is gracious and compassionate and wants to help you. He's slow to anger and abounding in love. And he relents from sin and calamity. All right, here's the second thing. Fast when you have trouble making a decision. Am I the only one that has trouble making a decision? Whether I want to turn my phone off, whether I'm going to you know, do other things. <laughs> I have trouble sometimes. The Apostle Paul, Barnabas and Paul, had appointed elders in each of their churches and committed them with prayer and fasting. Let me tell you, if you own a business and you're contemplating some change in mission, some account that you're going to bring on, you have a secret weapon. Those of you who are dating someone, you're trying, hey, I'm trying to get to the have you fast about this guy, this gal? Don't just ask your friends. Have you fasted about that person? And then finally, fast when you have a friend who needs to become a Christian. One of the most difficult things in life is to have someone that we love living outside the will of God. We see they're hurting themselves. Like they have, they're not rending their heart their heart is cold towards God. The Bible tells us in Acts 13 that when the apostle Paul and Barnabas were to go out and start churches, the first thing that they did is they were, they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. Then they went out in the first missionary journey of the apostle Paul and they started churches that started the spread of everything. And it all started with fasting. So making a comeback right now, what is it that you need to make a comeback? What area of your life? relationships, someone that you love, someone that loves you, something that's broken, something that's difficult. Is a relationship that you need to mend? Like five years from now, how are your relationship, how's your relationship gonna be different? Is there some mental or emotional struggle that you're dealing with, something physical or something spiritual? Here is what your homework for this week. I would like to ask every single person in this room to fast one day this week. And don't do what Jesus said not to do. Don't tell anybody, but just quietly fast. And I want you to see the power of God and how it's going to affect that situation. There is this weapon in our arsenal that Jesus has given us that has the ability to cut through the darkness and change human hearts. This week, whatever your comeback area needs to be, let's fast about it and let's pray. Let's pray right now. Thank you, God, that as just mere human beings, we, we know who we are. We know that we're adopted into your family. We're adopted as sons and daughters of the king. We know our identity. 
We know that our past is forgiven. We know we have the power of the Holy Spirit, but we know that we're no match for the enemy. And so some just come out with prayer and fasting. Whatever battle we're facing right now, God, let us turn to you with prayer and fasting. And like taking the fast ramp in an airport, let that extra power, God, break the the bounds of the the binding of the evil one. We pray this in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to Brian Jones Sermons. For more information and to find similar articles on this topic and more, please go to Brian's website at brianjones.com.